0: Plato, Miranda. (laughs) Hail to the king.
1: I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town.
0: What's happening, folks? We are back with another Talking Evil Dead, and this time it's Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3, Episode 6, Tales from the Rift. <laughs> I am your host, Mitchell.
1: And I'm Dustin.
0: And uh, we are fired up because the show is, I guess, past the halfway point for the season, is that Right. Ten, and yeah, eleven past. episodes, maybe I don't know,
1: yeah, I believe it. we're we're still at ten episodes this season. So yeah, we're at episode six, so we got four left to go. It feels like uh, the foot's on the gas, oh hell, like, yeah. it's been nothing
0: but nonstop yeah. action and and plot development, you know, since the last episode or two. I, I feel like the show's really hitting its stride. This is something that we'd. Wanted for a long time now, okay? And we're going to talk about this episode. The bulk of the episode consists of uh, two storylines or two kind of scenes that are advancing, which is, of course, the fight between Kelly and Ruby and then uh, Ash's involvement with the Knights of Sumeria dudes who show up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, both scenes are so great. Um, really flew by quickly. Uh, I guess we can start out by talking about the Kelly versus Ruby fight. How's that? Because that's, you know, a lot of the focus on this episode. Their fight strings throughout the entire episode, uh, and it hits, you know, several beats of a longer fight scene. Um, I was actually surprised a little bit at the length of uh, how long it dragged on, but really it it made sense. Okay, so in the beginning they get Kelly just kind of shows up at Ruby's house and uh, is ready to take her on and... You know, she spends the first fight scene kind of kicking her ass and, and having a good time with it, blowing her up with a shotgun.
1: Yeah, she does.
0: And, uh, you know, that good old Kandarian dagger. Don't leave home without it, folks. It's uh, the only thing that will save you from the evil. And it's it's <laughs> yeah, really right. the only thing, giving Kelly confidence here, at least it should be, because it's the only thing she's got on Ruby. And as soon as, you know, Ruby gets it away from her, the tide of the fight changes a bit in the second uh, act of this uh uh, fight scene in this episode, I'll call it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the, the first scene a bit.
1: She blasts the shit out of her. She's got the upper hand, especially with the shotgun. I think it's when it goes hand to hand is when Kelly starts to lose the fight. That's when it all changes. And you kind of tell that, you know, Ruby's kind of playing with her. Cause she's like, what are you even doing? I'm, I'm immortal. So what the fuck do you think you're going to be able to do here? Sure. And she, she gets, uh, some pretty mean
0: damage in on Kelly uh, it's almost the turning point of the battle where she kind of snaps her leg, which is pretty nasty. And that's, Ooh, of course, yeah. how she gets the dagger out of her hands. And this is where Kelly might want to start rethinking her strategy. But uh, she decides to stay and duke it out because she is uh, pretty dead set <laughs> at this point on, on attacking Ruby no matter what. You know, Definitely wants yeah. that vengeance for Pablo.
1: Yeah, and, and I want to give a shout out real quick to the effects on this episode, which were top. Fucking notch! It was awesome to watch this episode. Just because oh sure, there was a lot of passion put into this. In fact, I feel like that's that's the whole feel of this whole season is that there's a lot more passion into this than the first two seasons. And I love the first two seasons, but this one is quickly becoming my favorite.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It was definitely very gruesome uh, watching Ruby kind of piece herself back together after
1: yeah. you know all of her limbs get removed forcibly, and <laughs> oh the shot of her of Kelly just. When she pops her grenade, I was like, what's she going to do? Is she going to blow herself up? And then she just throws it in there and goes, poof. I was like, oh, shit, that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very,
0: very cool moment for Kelly, Um, especially considering Kelly has had, like, no formal experience, you know, fighting, unless she might have mentioned it at some point in the first season about how she took a karate class or something. I, I don't recall anything like that. Uh, but she's pretty yeah. badass. They're they're definitely setting her up as a good uh, femme fatale character to sort of match Ash's uh, level of of evil bashing. I, I
1: was I was on Reddit and I kind of read a little bit before we we hopped on here, but there was somebody who kind of made a good point, which is that this is kind of uh, Kelly's you know whole revenge thing coming full circle, and how Pablo said that you know this would consume her and possibly fire backfire in her face one day and. You know, it's definitely come full circle at this point.
0: Oh, hell yeah. And you know what? The entire time they're battling it out, all I could think about, honestly, was uh, there there was one shot of Ruby staring at what looked like some kind of fleshy sort of egg where, obviously, you know, the child is in it, like very cocoon-like, I guess, kind of evolving, aging up, perhaps. And, you know, they showed that before Kelly even showed up. So the whole episode, I'm waiting for... Aged up, uh, demon baby boy, to come bursting onto the <laughs> scene, you know, and, and back Ruby up. Um, oh no! Of course, you know that's, that's got plans for him. not at all how things went. Uh, uh, this whole battle went super far south when, you know, quite unexpectedly, Kelly gets straight up stabbed with the dagger. Yeah, in their yeah. in their tussle. Um, and yep. there's a moment where you're like, oh shit, you know, are they really? Are they doing it? And yeah, they yeah. they straight up kill off Kelly right before uh I'd like to just point out the fact that I called this in a previous episode yes, right before uh Ruby picks up her her little necronomicon book and and you know communicates her her with her dark one buddy and it's like hey, I got the vessel ready. The the rift is opening due to, you know, what Ash and uh the the knights uh are doing on their end of the plot line. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, as I predicted, uh, this this other female Dark One is going to be possessing the body of Kelly uh, for the yeah. remainder, potentially, of the season. And, you know, it's it's a, a done cliche, I guess to say, in, in media and in stories to have one character through some means, be it you know, a magical possession of some sort or just because they decided to switch sides on him, uh, one character cannot be trusted, um, and, and the characters uh, that we know and care about are not aware of this kind of behind-the-back skullduggery. And this is the trope mm-hmm. we're going to see now carried out through the rest of the season as this uh, possessed Kelly... Uh, messes with the team chemistry and is uh, yep. going to be working for Ruby and trying to you know, turn Brandy against Ash.
1: So- yeah. There was a lot of cool stuff that happened, especially with the... Uh, once, you know, Kelly is stabbed and kind of dies, the whole... You have Ash's storyline where Pablo's really in tune with his powers now, but it's almost like he, he felt Kelly die... And I don't know if they were trying to say that no, that's not really it. You know, if he saw the crazy guy and was getting the demon action, yeah, exactly. That's because-
0: that's one thing I thought was like, oh, is is Pablo gonna misunderstand uh, and think you know his his bad ominous feeling there was just what happened to them in that room? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I hope not. I hope in the next episode we see him kind of pursue this. Well, Kelly's also now. Acting weird or something, uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I would like to backtrack. And there's a good
1: possibility. Yeah,
0: I would like to backtrack a little bit in this episode and talk about this great scene uh, in the beginning between Ash and Brandy. You know, this is right after the previous yeah. scene where yeah. they sped off together. Um, they returned back to Ash's house and he has a celebratory beer and. uh Brandy treats him to, you know, some toasted Pop-Tarts or toaster pastries. <laughs> and, oh, no, they're they're specifically Pop-Tarts, so they do a great brand shot of that. Uh, but oh, yeah. Ash, Ash has such a great line of, wow, this is even better toasted. Uh, yeah. You know, as if he's so stupid, he was completely unaware that Pop-Tarts were meant to be toasted. Uh, yeah. he's never done it before. Because even later in the episode, he's like, give me another Pop-Tart and toast it like you did before.
1: <laughs> yeah. well he was even at the point where where somebody comes in she's like she's the best cook in this house and it's like she just made a pop tart. yeah <laughs> so that automatically makes her the best
0: you're right you're right i didn't even pay attention to such a casual line later on um so you know ash is uh, uh hanging out at Brand, uh at home with brandy for a little bit and then we get the knights that show up and boy man you and i are are getting good at calling this because we'd questioned how yeah. long these characters would be around. And you know, two of the men of the group, there's, there's four, <laughs> there's three men and a woman show up. And you can imagine that the woman might stick around for a little while just cause Ash seems to have a certain affinity for women. <laughs> uh, yeah. but two, oh, two yeah. of the dudes aren't even given speaking roles. So, you know, things ain't looking good for them. And as, oh, yeah. as soon as they're like, you know, at, the basement, looking at the 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 tech, uh, writing and and talking about opening the rift. You're like, oh come on, this is quite obviously the Fodder uh, yeah. Army here, essentially. And oh uh, yeah,
1: they're all gonna die. That, that's all there is to it. Um, and and I like you know the the throwbacks we got in this episode as well with the pages and stuff when they first arrive. But I do have to ask you this question though. Why the fuck was she using binoculars when he, she was like two feet away from Ash? <laughs> oh,
0: I don't. I guess I didn't even notice that. What are you talking about is it before oh, yeah. before they even went into his house?
1: Yeah, when he first comes back, they're sitting there in the truck, and it shows her, and then she pulls out the binoculars, and then you're like, wait, she's just across the street. How does Ash not even see them sitting in the car? I mean, yeah, it was pretty fucking funny. Oh. Uh, I'm sure they did it on purpose. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was great.
0: Okay, I'm I'm actually scrubbing through the episode because I want to see it. Yeah, she pulls out binoculars. Yeah, Oh you're right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's just right across the street. You're right. Well, she wants to scope out what's in his bag because there's an emphasis on you know she notices the chainsaw blade and shotgun sticking out. Um, oh yeah, th- they do put a lot of emphasis on that. Like they are trying to take <laughs> into consideration that he's the chosen one and everything. And I still like that they take oh yeah they take a knee for him and everything. But at the same oh, time, yeah. I gotta, I gotta wonder. You know, they they make reference to their buddy, who of course uh, showed up and talked to Ash's dad and died in the basement. Um, uh-huh. But it's it seems to be just these guys again, and you know they're not at all put together. Like again, to compare it to to Preacher in their group um, on yeah. that show, that that seems to be like a big you know kind of world order power. These guys are like some. Almost cult-like off branch of of a group yeah. where they they don't appear to have very sustainable numbers. Um, if these are the kind of uh, uh, people that they're sending, you know, to track down the supposed uh, savior. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, they were all gung-ho about, well, we're going to go into this rift, and this is it. This is the prophecy. we got to go fulfill oh, it. Oh,
0: absolutely. So and there was no more preparation. Yeah. There was no more people to call in. <laughs> it it yeah. really leads me to wonder where they're going to go with this group, the Knights of Sumeria, because they just don't look like it's a sustainable group or a sustainable uh, plot line.
1: <laughs> well, at the end of the day, they're like, we fight with the Chosen One who you know vanquishes the evil. It's like... Yeah, at the cost of your guys' lives, because you're cannon fodder at this point. There's no way you survive past this episode. And, you know, one of them did, but, I mean, still. <laughs> right. It's like, no way. But I feel like the knights may have a connection to our knights from Army of Darkness. Because there was, yeah, like I said, ton a couple of references. Oh, yeah. The, they referenced the Little Dead too. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm
0: glad to see more references to that. It was especially yeah. funny to see, you know... Ash's interactions with them and, and just his complete dismissal of uh, anything serious concerning them. You know, he's smoking a joint while driving uh-huh. the car and having a little chat yeah. with them. And he's like, you guys, you guys are real buzzkills. We need to drink some beers. <laughs> That's yeah, like cause I mean, why we love Ash.
1: At the end of Army of Darkness, he has the book with him, right? He takes the book with him? Uh, no, i I don't think he did take the book with him at the end. All right, but he ends up with it, of course, before this, this season, this series starts, because uh, he had it in season one. Shh. So somehow he had, ended up with it. I, for some reason, yeah. I'm thinking he fell asleep with the book in the car, and that's kind of how he woke up. He was supposed to protect it because they seem to be like, well, you should have the Necronomicon, right? You've got it. And he's like, no. Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's always uh, a bit
0: spotty whether or not he has it, you know, canon-wise or yeah. not. There, there's yeah. been some video games... Uh, entries into the series as well as comic book entries into the series where he either does or does not have it in fact most of the times canonically he's depicted as not having it um,
1: oh okay so uh, it, uh, in yeah, most yeah. of the comics i've read anyway <laughs> so. it, it, he's got it when it matters most to the plot i guess whatever sure. the ra- writers need him to have and it. and i love that you so. know
0: when they go to the the basement um to go look at the, the writings that this guy left behind and have and the uh, missing pages kind of examined by this group, um, when he goes down and shows them the body, they're like, well, you know, at least he died in his, his fight against evil. And Ash has the line, no, uh, oh, actually, he died fighting, uh, picking a fight with my 70-year-old father. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he fucked up. That's why he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just, you know, the humor is really spot on in this as well. But, you know, like you said earlier, as soon as they start talking of opening the riffs and whatnot, um, Ash recognizes it as a bad idea. We, the viewers, recognize oh, yeah. it as a bad idea. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, the, the one guy who uh, volunteers to go in first... Uh, you you recognize? Okay, well this guy's so fucked, and you're wondering what's gonna happen. You know, yeah. I thought they were gonna go with the uh, the old standard of when he jumps into the portal, they like kind of sit there and pause a beat and wait for something to happen, and then just all of his blood and guts and stuff was gonna shoot out of the portal like, you yeah, know, Quentin thought. Tarantino blood spraying, uh, wacky style. But uh, you know, I, I do gotta say I love the body morphing horror. Oh, yeah. uh, that's that's I think one thing that's really essential to the series as well is that kind of almost wacky, super unfortunate, very grotesque uh, body horror shit.
1: Um, oh yeah, this was like a, a blatant callback to John Carpenter's the thing you know oh sure With the yeah crazy way yeah I mean, the way it looked was just amazing and the effects on that guy were pretty great. I mean, it, it's, it was really... Uh, that was one of the best scenes. And it's, like, a lot different than a deadite. I don't feel like he was a deadite. I feel like he was something else because that just did not look like a deadite. I've never seen a deadite actually do that shit. So you're, that pretty crazy. Yeah,
0: you're right about that. There there should be some distinction between uh, the creature that Ash fought in this episode and a common deadite. Now... I think the common deadite is more like a human corpse that is possessed by a, let's say, evil soul, right? Yeah. A, an evil right. and crazy and deranged, like base level, like a human soul, just an evil human soul possessing a common human body. Um, what yeah. what this thing was was something otherworldly. Possessing this human body, and as we saw, uh-huh. you know, had this fucked up ability to like merge and mend flesh um,
1: and become a Resident Evil monster.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It, it definitely had that <laughs> vibe as well. Um, and yeah. I, I'm glad you're the one that uh, mentioned that uh, <laughs> uh, instead of me. But um, it, it was definitely, you know, what we'd been hoping to see uh, uh, more, more grotesque body horror shit yes. with things growing and whatnot and you know Pablo arrives on the scene here kind of conveniently I suppose to um help them open the rift in the in the nick of time
1: um well he's got his new force power I mean brujo powers that allows him to you know, touch stuff, and he has visions, and he's able yeah. to go and find Ash immediately, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which is
0: awesome. It definitely helps speed the plot along for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's that's what we've been <laughs> wanting to see was you know him using his powers in in more practical ways, and it's definitely very awesome. It'll be cool to see him in a fight coming up once he's oh, uh, yeah. awakened some more offensive abilities. Like uh-huh. shit should get really cool, especially if he's able to like. Possess other deadites or something, you know? Or
1: control them in a way, or be able to maybe even, you know... Cleanse them. Yeah, cleanse them. Because, I mean, when when Ash was, of course, possessed by that crazy one-eyed monster from the first season, they took him to the Brujo there. And that's kind of where Pablo's journey to being a Brujo kind of started, and our whole idea of what Pablo would be. And, of course... It was the idea that the Brujo drove the spirit out. So, And I imagine that might be something that we will see coming up with Kelly and, and Pablo. Because, I mean, it seems like they were really starting to show their bond there. And the fact that, you know, Kelly felt like if there was any way to pull Pablo out of it, she was going to do it. And then I think it's just going to turn around and be the same thing here with Pablo. He's not going to let some dark one... I hope he's got some bullshit detector that he's going to be able to tell that she's possessed by the Dark One.
0: Oh, I'm sure he will, too, because Pablo has been shown to be really, like, in tune with Kelly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think, you know, Kelly will definitely fool Ash, as she was already doing yeah. by the end of this episode. Yeah,
1: that wasn't hard. Um,
0: So <laughs> I think it'll be up to Pablo to sort of spot the difference. Brandy doesn't know her well enough, and she's vulnerable. Yeah. Um, it. it Hopefully they don't spend again too much time on this. I, I'd really like to see, like you said, yeah, Pablo's ability to cleanse, you know, shown uh, right there, and hopefully Kelly will just get her life back somehow. Um, you know, I don't know how they're going to address yeah. the because the, she did die. I mean, that's a dead body yes. that's that's being possessed oh, yeah. Yeah. more or less. I don't know. I did. I don't think they specifically showed Ruby like, healing the corpse in any sort of way, you know? No, no, no. It was basically, like, as soon as she pulled the dagger out, she started reading, and it was possessed. So Yeah,
1: and and that's kind of the whole idea, because she was like, you know, I've got a vessel, and it was even killed by the dagger, so it seems like this had to happen, so it was kind of dumb of Kelly to go and basically offer herself. Oh, exactly. Because it was Kelly's, yeah, revenge that got the other Dark One released now. So, but yeah, I mean... I don't see them killing her off 100%, but they might, They might. but I mean, most TV shows these days, they'll pull this shit, and it's okay, I, I give some shows a leeway there, because I mean, the way they did do her death was fucking poetic, it, the music was awesome, the shot was awesome as they're pulling back on her, and there's blood all over the floor, it's like, holy fuck, I hope to god Kelly's not dead, because if so, that sucks, because we just watched her die, and that that's the end of a fucking badass character. And, you know, God, her, the the actress just has really... All of them have been dialed, have been dialed up this season. Ash, you know, Bruce Campbell's been awesome. Pablo, he's been great. And, you know, Kelly. I mean, even Brandy has actually become less annoying as this season has progressed.
0: Oh, hell yeah. You know, and I, I think the show is just as much a vehicle for... Uh, uh, Dana de Laurentis who plays Kelly Yeah as, as it go. is yeah. for for Bruce Campbell, you know uh-huh. um, absolutely they're, they're definitely trying to build up this uh, side character who is sort of like a female equal to Ash. Um, yeah and and that's what Kelly'll be by the end of the series and uh, you know they could potentially do a, a Kelly spin-off movie in the future as well and maybe just have a cameo oh, from Ash. Great. Um, they, they could do a lot of cool things. I, I kind of uh, am impartial to them maybe giving her an iconic sort of uh, weapon limb like Ash, you know, and his chainsaw <laughs> limb. Why not give Kelly a shotgun arm or a shotgun leg, you know?
1: Oh, the shotgun leg's been done in Robert Rodriguez exactly uh, it, horror film. Yeah,
0: I know, and it was pretty. It and it was, was badass. Cool. No, it was a it was a rocket launcher, wasn't it? <laughs> I thought it was a rocket launcher, not a shotgun. Oh, or maybe she swapped yeah, yeah. it out for multiple guns. Yeah, no, she had
1: she had a machine gun and it had a grenade launcher. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, well, if they yeah, gave her like yeah. a shotgun arm, I guess, or like an Uzi
0: arm, like that'd be pretty fucking cool.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. You know, so that's that's the kind of uh, thing I'm looking forward to this uh, in this series is, is them winning Kelly back, which I'm sure will come, you know, by the end of this uh, season. I'm, yeah. I'm sure we'll see her restored to the end. And much like the end of every season, because I feel like every single season so far has ended on an unusual, upbeat note, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that's where they're going to go again because they always don't know... You know what state to leave off in because of what's coming next. They don't know if they're going to have another season or a movie or what. So, I think they want to like end end it on sort of a generic positive.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's 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 been a lot of rumblings around about a possible season four. In fact, uh, da- Dana De Lorenzo just put a Facebook post up March thirtieth, and it's basically a big announcement is coming. And she says, "Stay yeah, tuned." Yeah, there,
0: there's been some positive notes and some rumors about the the fourth season potentially already being okay or greenlit or, or rumored to be in the works. Yeah. Um, nothing, though, that I would call official. So I, I yeah. think we're at, especially but, with the roller coaster ride that is Bruce Campbell saying, "Oh, we're nah. definitely getting another season," and then, "Oh, it's definitely canceled. We're not getting a movie." <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: like, like make up your minds, damn know. it.
1: At this point, it feels like he's just trolling with us. He's like, oh, you know, we know that it's actually got a season four, but we're not going to tell him.
0: That could be the case. (laughs) And you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, He also mentions a lot of times that it depends greatly on what Sam Raimi is doing. And, uh, you know, Raimi is, is a filmmaker, and he's got, I'm sure, a very booked, solid calendar of, projects that he's working on and and stuff that he really wants to do in the future still while he's got a career. So dedicating time to, to the evil dead franchise. um, He, as much as he knows, it has a cult following and like a fan base. It's also probably a very relatively small niche fan base so far. And that's why we got to show him that he can make money off of it. Still very much. So, and I'm talking yeah. like on a motherfucking like Star Warsian franchise level. Like you could you could do this. You could do this so well. And, yeah. it, and it could be sustainable for as long as fucking Bruce Campbell is believable as Ash, you
1: know? Absolutely. And I mean there's there's going to come a time where, you know, we won't have Bruce Campbell as Ash, and I'm okay with that. That's fine because I mean what you've given us with Pablo and Kelly and the rest of the fucking gang, yeah, that's fucking badass. I would watch them in just their own movie as they carry around a picture of Ash, you know, and basically, you know, then they sit there and be like, what would Ash do? You know, we, we need to figure out what Ash would do. Okay, here, yeah. And then go that. Now way.
0: that you say that, this is like my dream scenario, right, where the Evil right. Dead franchise becomes kind of like Doctor Who in that yeah. in that every couple of seasons the savior from evil changes, you know, because they die or, yeah. or something happens, you know like yeah, you' like you're saying there's got to be a point where Ash kind of passes the torch and it almost to me seems like Brandy could be the setup for who that is, being that it's yeah. you know his flesh and blood. Um, and they're they're almost kind of making it sound like the savior has to be related to Ash. You know. Yeah. uh And, and yeah. I don't know if that's the best route to go down, um, in tor- uh, uh, you know, in terms of longevity for the series. Uh, I'd like to see them kind of loosen their definition a little bit on on who the savior from evil could be. Uh, yeah. There's there's a hell of a lot of emphasis on it being Ash kind of always, and I don't get how that'll work unless Ash is immortal. You know.
1: Yeah. So and, and unless he, Bruce Campbell is an immortal, you know. So <laughs>
0: oh, fuck yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't want to see them recast Ash as some other oh, God, lookalike. No. You know, it's nah. just not going to be the same. That's not what we want. We want you know this this universe that they're building of of evil that is like a, a demonic sort of entity that can possess bodies and shit. Like, that's cool. Develop that sort of mythos and, you know, make the saviors fit within that. Did you ever see, uh, uh, there was a great movie called um, Demon Knight. It was a a Tales from the Crypt movie, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is kind of crazy because that that falls in line with the Tales from the Rift, sort of.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's almost what I thought they were mimicking because that's kind of what that movie was about, was like demons uh, from another plane, another realm, you know that could possess human bodies and there was one specific chosen one who carried this like uh cross uh uh it was actually it was a key challenge it was a, yeah it was a cask in the shape of a yeah. heart that had blood of the original savior which i guess in their world was like jesus was or something
1: yeah yeah it was jesus christ
0: yeah but yeah. i just always thought that was such a cool concept that there was you know one savior uh, fighting back the demons. And that's kind of what this universe I feel like could
1: be. Um, yeah. So I, I remember that movie. That's, that's a great theaters. fucking
0: movie. I own it on uh, yeah. DVD because I liked it so much.
1: <laughs> oh, no shit. Right on. I need to watch it again now that we're talking about Tales it. Tales from the
0: Crypt had some good shit, dude. That one in Bordello of Blood was strangely entertaining. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it a good movie, but it's very entertaining.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should watch that one. I should go back and just. Scott fucking I wish we Corey could get Feldman, on Tales man. Tales from the Crypt. Oh shit! There you go.
0: <laughs> and it's about That's vampires in a bordello. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah! Need to watch it.
0: There's there's a lot of good shit, you know, that I feel like is from this this time period and this culture and has influenced series oh, like yeah. this. And you know, old fogies like us, I guess, people in our you know early to late thirties. Uh, we'll eat this shit up, and there's gonna be at least you know thirty good more years of them being able to milk this kind of property and franchise. So, I really we're really hoping that this uh, series maintains its its pacing and just ability to do
1: it. Because I mean. We had a lot of stuff that came from the 80s that, you know, unfortunately now the younger generations have to kind of live with the reboots and stuff that they're trying. And that's why, you know, I mean, there was a while there, I think back in the, you know, late 90s to early 2000s where I was like, you know, the 80s is such a terrible time. I wish we could just forget about it. And then, you know, as the older I got, maybe it's just because with age that kind of happens. But, I mean, I look back on the 80s and it was so awesome. It was such a great time for film because there was... There was always new ideas. There weren't, we weren't sequel driven. It was it was more story driven, and that's that's the thing I miss about the eighties the most is there was more risks taken, and you saw a lot of cool stuff like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They did sure. that movie, and then a year later, the second one was coming out. So you know what? I, and I, you know, and we got Evil Dead out of it all too.
0: Sure, that was one positive as well. Uh, I'm I'm personally yeah. sick of the eighties. I'm ready. To jump on and or start the 90s revival bandwagon because there's so many good freaking original properties from the 90s that are are frankly due for a good reboot and reimagining within the next couple of decades. And I think that's what we're going to see, honestly, especially with another one of my favorite properties, entities known as Animorphs. Uh, more on that oh, more on yeah. that go to ThoughtSpeedCast.com, folks uh, that's a that's shameless a, plug that's a sneaky <laughs> plug right there uh, but yeah, yeah you was. know I, I think I think the the listener if you gotten this far in this episode you understand that we both really loved this episode and this season has been just one of the best and you know we're gonna keep covering the show We're going to keep talking about it as long as they keep making it. Gosh darn it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, For more information, look us up on Facebook.
1: .com forward slash Talking Evil Dead, As well as TalkingEvilDead.com,
0: our homepage. You can check it out. Always find our episodes on there. And uh, when we start covering maybe some more of the movies, I want to do an episode, frankly, where we talk about the comic books because I've got a couple of comic book stories that are just... Uh, Well, if you haven't read them, I can describe them to you and we can talk about, you know, what works about the comics and what doesn't work about the comics. If you want to see uh, or hear rather a a episode discussing the comics or video games or just any uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead or Evil Dead franchise uh, properties, uh, let us know because it really helps. I'd, I'd like to know. If we should do and you more. And
1: also let us know what favorite 90s revival you would like to see. Sure, I don't care about that. But yeah. you let us yeah. know. Yeah, you do. You just <laughs> said you did. You just had like a 2 minute rant, about how you cared about. I'm him. already that's cuz I'm already on the bandwagon. <laughs> I don't care what others think. Uh Yeah. As long as I just want to see it, what 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 sort of things could come out of the nineties that could be awesome these days. So, but until next time I've been your host, Dustin,
0: and I've been hosting you as well. And my name's Mitchell and, uh, we'll be right around next time. Uh, an episode airs to talk you through it. Uh, until then, this has been talking evil dead. And like Dusty said, we're Dusty and Mitchell and we're out. Klaatu, Miranda! Hail to the king!
1: I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now: Jack and shit. Jack left town.